Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. I'm Chase Cannon. I'm here with my colleague, Suzanne Spradley. We're both attorneys with NFP's legal and compliance team. And today's episode, Suzanne, we are going to focus on COBRA and COBRA subsidies as part of the new COVID relief bill, which is called the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, or ARPA. We have a new law. We have to have a new acronym. (laughs) ARPA is where it landed. And so, Suzanne, give us a little bit of background on ARPA and COBRA before we really get into the COBRA subsidy portion that we want to talk about. Right. Yeah. President Biden signed ARPA into law on March 11th. And so it's obviously has many more provisions than just the one that we're going to talk about today. But the overall COVID relief bill was aimed at providing relief for employers and employees and consumers, all of who have been hit economically by the pandemic. The one aspect of this that we want to dig into today is the provision that creates temporary subsidies for premium payments for COBRA. Um, And so I'm going to unpack a little bit about COBRA because I think this is interesting when we look at subsidies, we look at COBRA generally and and whether it's effective in um, helping individuals who have lost their job. For most people, the cost of COBRA is prohibitively expensive because they're picking up not only their own cost, but their employer's cost plus the 2% administrative fee. Many people don't realize how much their employer is subsidizing that cost until they are hit with the COBRA payment amount. And so... um, Kaiser did an interesting article. They looked at COBRA's impact and looked back at the medical expenditure panel survey in 2017 and found that only 130,000 unemployed non-elderly adults had enrolled in COBRA. And that was a year when more than 11.5 million non-elderly were unemployed. So this leads us to believe that unsubsidized COBRA really does very little to prevent coverage loss when people have lost their jobs. Uh, If we look at who enrolls in COBRA, COBRA enrollees tend to be older. There's an average of 33% being 55 or older, and that compares to about 21% of the workforce being in that age range. Um, They also typically have multiple chronic conditions. So let's, let's switch now to COBRA subsidies. This is not a new thing. We have had COBRA subsidies in the past. We had the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009, which I'll call ARA as opposed to ARPA, um, and the Health Coverage Tax Credit Program in 2002. Both of those created COBRA subsidies that will equal to about 65% of the cost of coverage. Under the ARA, only 34% enrolled. And so they did a survey of those who did not enroll and asked them why, you know, what, what the reasons were. And really the predominant factor for 80% of those who did not enroll was still the cost. So we can see that unsubsidized COBRA or COBRA that's not subsidized enough um, is still not really providing relief for individuals who have lost their their, uh, employer-sponsored coverage. And so it seems like Congress learned something from prior subsidy allotments in that 65% was not a significant amount. It wasn't enough to carry people over the line of actually enrolling into COBRA. And so as we'll talk about today, they've increased that amount. Right. Okay, that's a very interesting background. Thank you for sharing that with us. Gives us a really good base to go. And what we have received over the last few weeks is just a multitude of questions on 
how this subsidy will work, how much is it, uh, for how long, who gets it, just a lot of questions. So I'm just gonna start firing away questions right. to you, Suzanne, on this. Fire um, away. <laughs> you mentioned that this is a full subsidy. Tell us a little bit about that. How much of the cost of COBRA do the ARPA subsidies cover? So the subsidies do cover the entire cost of COBRA premiums. That's 100% compared to the 65% in earlier federal subsidies. It applies to COBRA premiums paid that apply to coverage of periods between April 1st, 2021 and September 30th, 2021. So let me say that again. It applies to COBRA premiums that are applicable to coverage periods um, between April 1st and September 30th. So there's potentially up to six months of 100% COBRA subsidies. Right, okay, great. Who is eligible for these subsidies? A qualified beneficiary must have experienced an employer-initiated termination, and that's the key part here of employment, although it is not gonna pick up those that were terminated for gross misconduct. It also applies to those who had an employer-initiated reduction of hours. Um, and the other caveat is that they can't be eligible for other group health care coverage or Medicare. So mm -hmm. if someone is terminated or they have lost their job for any reason, it doesn't have to be related to COVID-19, um, as long as it's not related to gross misconduct, they would be eligible for the COBRA subsidies. If a person has voluntarily terminated their employment, they're not eligible. And so um, that also includes, for example, like a dependent who ages off the plan, they're not eligible also for the COBRA subsidies. Okay, so you really do have to get back to the reason that they are sort of qualifying for COBRA here. When you say employer-initiated termination or reduction, um, it's we, we've also heard that term as involuntary termination. So were either of those like employer-initiated or involuntary sort of in air quotes, were, were either of those terms defined by the law? They were not defined. Um, and so we hope to have more guidance as it stands now. Anyone who initiated their own termination would be would not be eligible. So um, and this doesn't mean that someone had to want to initiate their termination. So, for example, maybe they had to. Maybe they had to care for a family member who was sick. Maybe they had to. Um, they had some other issue that required them to quit. Um, it's it's if if the employee initiated the termination, they would not qualify, no matter what the reason was for them initiating that termination. So you really do have to look at each situation on a fact by fact basis. And as an employer, we certainly hope that you've been keeping good records as it, as it applies to uh, why individuals are terminated. That certainly would be a best practice, um, but it does have to be employer initiated for any reason other than gross misconduct. Right, yeah, so we, we've had that question come in a lot about leaves of absence or disabilities or um, other situations where it's maybe the employees taking it, it may feel like the employee is doing it involuntarily because of the situation, but it's not necessarily employer initiated. And so for that reason, until we get more guidance, we, we've kind of fallen on that uh, side that it would not qualify for the subsidy, even though it um, you know, maybe feels like it should. But let, let's walk through the time period for the qualifying events who have occurred, right? Because this is, you're saying from April 1st to the end of September is when the subsidy will be there, but we're gonna to have to look back over a certain period of time when we're figuring out who is still in their 
you know, who's, who's in their COBRA period. Right, so I think this is administratively, uh, we're, we're getting into some areas where it's gonna be a bit of a challenge, but really it's anyone who still is within their COBRA maximum coverage period during that time frame of April 1st to September 30th, uh, 2021. So this brings us to really the next topic that we wanna address is ARPA allows for a new election period. Um, and so it, it, it provides a, a new election period for only certain qualified beneficiaries. And it seems to include those who would qualify for the premium subsidy um, as we've described above and those that are still within their 18 month coverage period, but they declined COBRA coverage previously, as well as those who dropped COBRA, they're still within that 18 month coverage period, but they dropped it for whatever reason. So there are a few important twists to point out as it relates to this. First, as it relates to the individual who dropped COBRA coverage, they are eligible for this new election period, really regardless of the triggering event. So it doesn't have to be that the employer initiated it. Um, it appears from the statutory language that it could include any reason um, that they had COBRA, but that they are no longer, uh, they dropped coverage, but they're still within that 18 month period. If their termination was voluntary though, it does seem like they are not eligible for the subsidy. So they can only re-enroll in COBRA. I will say that some experts think that the intent was to limit the re-enrollment to only those who are eligible for subsidies, but the, but the statutory language was not drafted in that way. So it's, mm. it's the statutory language is pretty clear that it, it is uh, just applies to anyone who is still within that um, eligible time period and dropped coverage. So to summarize, a new election period is available for anyone who is still within the 18 month coverage period, even if they had previously enrolled and dropped coverage, um, as long as there's, uh, it's before their maximum coverage period has expired. Okay, so it's basically a new election window, like you said, for anybody, but um, it's a new election period plus a subsidy for those that were involuntarily terminated. Um, how long does the new COBRA election period uh, last? Well, the election period itself starts on the day that they receive their new COBRA election notice and lasts for 60 days. If an election is made within the new 60-day election period, the coverage will be retroactive back to April 1st, 2021. What's really important to understand, though, is this new election period does not extend their maximum coverage period. So it's not adding anything on. It just says that they are allowed to re-enroll or to enroll if they're still within their general COBRA maximum coverage period. Um, they can, they'll get their notice, they'll get their COBRA election notice, they have 60 days to enroll, it will be retroactive back to April 1, and then they have the remaining time that they had under their original maximum coverage period to remain on COBRA. For example, say they only had three months remaining in their maximum coverage period and want to enroll in COBRA during the special election, they only get three months of COBRA coverage, no more. So it's important to understand that this is not adding on any additional time frame. It's only giving them another opportunity to enroll in COBRA, specifically now that there's COBRA subsidies available or they dropped it previously. And now, you know, there's other types of, of uh, financial assistance that's available through ARPA. So I think that that's the reason why they were allowing other people to re-enroll in COBRA with this additional financial assistance. The person, as I said, is only eligible for the remainder of their maximum coverage period from April 1st forward. So it's prospective in nature. Okay, right. So um, really this is not an addition to or an extension of the COBRA maximum coverage period. It's just another opportunity to enroll during the previously existing uh, COBRA maximum coverage period. And then the subsidy 
for those that qualify. How do qualified beneficiaries apply for the COBRA subsidy if, if they think they are, are eligible? Well, there's no need to apply. Instead, they should not be charged, and we'll say should, um, they should not be charged any amount for premiums when they're enrolled in COBRA during that time period that we mentioned, April 1st through September 30th. Um, and we'll talk in a moment how that, that subsidy is actually paid for, but this COBRA subsidy should be available to them automatically. So practically speaking, employers will have to work with their COBRA administrators because the administrators will not know whether an individual is receiving COBRA because it was employer-initiated termination or because someone was fired for gross misconduct or because someone quit. So you will have to work with your COBRA administrators because they simply just don't have that information. Right. So definitely some coordination, some communication. How are the premium subsidy credits administered though on the back end, whether it's the employer or the carrier, they're able to sort of, they're not coming out of pocket in the, in the overall scheme of things, right? They're getting a tax credit. How is that administered? The premium subsidy is paid through what they refer to as a refundable FICA tax credit, and it's paid to the employer uh, the carrier or the plan as applicable. So the credits claimed by the party to which the premium is due. So it's the carrier for a fully insured plan, it's the employer for a self-insured plan, and it's the plan for a multi-employer plan. So the process is similar to the FSCRA, which many people are already familiar with. And so that's, that's helpful from that perspective. Um, it does say that it's refundable, meaning that if there are some amounts due that are over and above the FICA amounts, then that amount would be paid uh, to, would be forwarded to the employer or the carrier's uh, quarterly tax return. So that's helpful for um, fronting some of that. And so there's more to be clarified on this process. And as, as we get more information, we'll certainly uh, provide that to the employers. But further, the tax credit that pays for these subsidies can include that admin fee of 2%. So remember that, that that can be added on. And any additional fees that are paid by the employers to implement the law would be recoverable through the tax credits. I would be careful in just padding that you know, you want to, <laughs> I would certainly work with your counsel if you're adding anything over and above the 2%, um, but know that they could be recoverable through the tax credits. Right. Yeah. So if any employers have been through the FFCRA tax credit process, that will feel familiar, as you mentioned, uh, but it's basically done through the quarterly employment tax returns. Uh, but we've received, let's get back to the notice requirements, because this is one we've gotten just a ton of questions on. Uh, for, for what, what are employers going to have to notify or, or how are they going to have to notify? So let's walk through the basics there. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, this is another burden on employers, but they do have to provide notice of the subsidies and if the employer chooses, which we haven't touched on yet, but the option to change coverage. So the notice itself has to be provided to qualified beneficiaries who are potentially affected by these changes. So, of course, you're going to have to know then who those would be. So the qualified beneficiaries potentially affected would be those who qualify for the subsidy, meaning they were involuntary, terminated, um, and they are within that window of time. They're still within that 18-month window of their maximum coverage period for COBRA. Employers must provide this notice by May 31st, 2021. Now, here's the kicker. The DOL is supposed to provide a model notice. They're charged with providing that model notice within 30 days of ARPA's enactment. So that would push us to about April 10th. 2021. But of course, as we know, um, there's uh, a lot of concern about it having such a delayed outreach to employees on this subsidy. Yeah, so let's, let's talk about that a little bit more because we have this sort of April 1st date, which is the start of the subsidies, right? That's what employees are looking at. That's what employers are looking at. 
hey, we got this free cover coverage coming. What we need to do something by that date. But what if employers want to provide the notice before April 1st? And again, this is just a little more than a week out from now. But the, let's say the model notice is not out yet because we have the April 10th due date for the Department of Labor to put out that notice, but they may wait until April 10th. So what to do in the meantime? Yeah, and I think it's important because obviously with coverage um, being offered April 1, it would be nice to know that you, if you want, want to enroll in COBRA or re-enroll in COBRA, you know that you have coverage available to you. Uh, all that information would be helpful up front. Remember that model notices are just generally a safe harbor. So it doesn't mean typically that they're mandated, but if you use them, then you won't be penalized for the contents of your notice or the structure of your notice. Nonetheless, ARPA does include a list of information that the notice must include. So um, if an employer chooses to draft a notice, make sure you include those elements. Um, you won't have the safe harbor guarantee uh, that is done to the DOL satisfaction, but if you include those elements, it should be fine. If you choose to wait on the model notice, then um, you know again, you're gonna be delayed a bit. We're not going to walk through those elements that have to be in the notice today. They just because of the, you know, we're on a podcast, but we certainly have included them in our FAQs that are on our website and we will discuss them in more detail um, on a webinar that's more lengthy. Yeah. And those elements were laid out in the law as well. So it's something that you can rely on a little bit. But let's talk about there, there's a second notice requirement as well. Tell us a little bit about that. So employers are required to provide notice that their subsidies are expiring. Remember, they're only temporary. And so then the individual to continue their COBRA coverage, if they are still within their maximum coverage period, they will then have to pick up that cost of 100% or 102% of the COBRA coverage. So um, employers have to let employees know your subsidies are ending and they must provide this notice between 15 and 45 days before the date the subsidies end. Again, the DOL is supposed to provide a model notice for us, and that's uh, they have a little bit more time to provide that beyond April 10th. Just know that this is a second notice that will be required that employers will have to stay on top of and make sure they get it out timely uh, prior to those subsidies ending. Right. For many, it will be, you know, the target date for this subsidy ending will be, so this notice would be before September 30th when the subsidy's up unless it gets extended. Yeah, and it's something to keep in mind is if the qualified beneficiary notified the plan that they are eligible for another group medical plan or Medicare, then the employer does not have to provide this additional notice. So again, just be on the watch for the model notice that will be provided by the DOL. Okay, so with these two new notice requirements, we have the model notice but the million dollar question, who has to provide that notice? Yes, unfortunately, it, it, the obligation falls on the plan administrator. So that's typically the employer plan sponsor. And um, that would be, you know, the, the entity that's identified in your SPD as the plan sponsor. So usually employers will contract with another party or I shouldn't say usually, I'd say sometimes, like a COBRA vendor to perform that duty, but it's still the onus is on the employer to make sure that it is complied with. So if you do use a COBRA vendor, confirm with that vendor that they will be sending out these notices, make sure they have a process in place to send out um, the notices timely because failure to comply with that notice requirement would be, would put the plan sponsor or the plan administrator, I should say, um, subject to that, that penalty. Right, and we've already seen some vendors pushing back a little bit on the costs relating to this. So um, yeah, definitely a, a thing that needs to be discussed with uh, vendors if they're being used. The second or maybe $2 million question 
or the second million dollar question, can these notices be distributed by email? Because everybody wants to send something via email, uh, but typically that has not been the best approach for COBRA, right? Right, and I would say it's still not the best approach. Um, and the default is really to send COBRA notices via first class mail to the last known address of the qualified beneficiary. And remember that you also have to send notices to dependents. So another reason why email would not be uh, the best option for sending out these notices. So stick to the first class mail methodology um, and you'll be in a better position. Right. Okay, I know there are many more issues uh, we could dig into, uh, but for, for purposes of time, we're gonna stop there. We are going to be doing a webinar series over the next few weeks to kind of track this. We're expecting DOL guidance. We're expecting those DOL model notices. And so we wanna be on top of that when they're released. So look for notification on the webinar series and check out our FAQ doc. That is something that we're uh, constantly updating as we uh, learn more as well. So um, that will be at nfp.com as well. Any other closing thoughts here, Suzanne, on the COBRA subsidies? No, I think it's a great idea to provide these 100% COBRA subsidies because of individuals being in such economic conditions, challenges during the pandemic, but it does put a lot of administrative uh, burdens on the employers. So from that aspect, it's, it's, it's a win-lose, I guess you can say, instead <laughs> of a win-win. Um, yeah. but, but overall, we hope that it does help uh, some of the individuals that were impacted. Right. Yeah. And remember that it is short term. So once we work through this initial wave of obligations, hopefully it will um, resolve itself and not be a, a long lasting burden. Um, but thank you very much, Suzanne, for all the information today. And as we like to say on the podcast, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. <laughs>